Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good morning, you beautiful people. Well, five of you believe you're beautiful. I said, good morning, you beautiful people. There you go. You got to confess it, even if it's by faith. Amen. It's so good to be back home. Suzanne shared in prayer this morning that uh, last week in, we were in Little Rock and um, getting some tests done. And we were with our dear friends, Dr. Udice and Tessa Fontenot. And uh, I just want to take a minute, they're probably watching this morning, to say a huge thank you to them um, on behalf of all of us, because they have blessed uh, Suzanne and I for the last two and a half years. We probably spent 120 nights or more in their home with them. They pick us up at the airport. They give us one of their vehicles. They feed us. They fellowship. We had church together last week in their home. And I just want to say, guys, I love you, and I appreciate you. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Dearly. Amen. When, when they pick us up at the airport, it's like deja vu all over again. We were just here, just did that, but uh, they have been faithful to take care of us, and we greatly appreciate it. I want to just give a quick uh, health report if you're interested. Uh, <laughs> some of you got a text. My uh, group text thing uh, went kapoop as well as my phone did while I was out there, and I had to get it completely reset, so um, most of you did not get the text that I tried to send out. But uh, the long and short is uh, the doctors were very uh, excited and pleased and uh, shared with us uh, the details of all of my testing, bone marrow biopsy, had my 15th one, this one without sedation, I'll never do that again, and uh, my hip still hurts. Uh, but anyhow, an MRI, PET scan, ton of blood work, and Suzanne and I were sitting with uh, the doctor's PA, Summer, and she was just shooting through the chart going, you know, this is good, this is good, this is good. You don't have any lesions in your brain, skull, back, spine, bones. And she just kept going through it. And she said, first pass, the first doctor's pass uh, at your myeloma that they could see no myeloma. And... And she, she just kept talking, and we were like, hold, hold, hold it, hold it. What did you just say? And she said, at the first couple of passes the doctor looked at, there was no visible myeloma. They said the only way we could see any cells was through the computer, and it was about 1% to 2% of uh, several hundred million cells. And uh, so we were uh, ecstatic. Dr. Zangari came in, uh, went through all the same stuff with us again, and uh, said that I looked great. I said, thank you very much. And, uh, but uh, we, we were just um, overwhelmed with God's goodness. Amen. Amen. I shared a couple of weeks ago, I've started uh, one more treatment uh, down in Clearwater, Florida, and uh, and it's about a 15-week treatment. I'm actually going to be going um, off of the chemo that I'm on now, um, and I'm going to go on a different chemo for eight weeks. 
the chemo I'm on is about 90% stronger than what I'm going on, uh, which is wonderful. It's only about 10% of the strength of what I'm on now, but it actually does 90% targeted um, on the specific myeloma. And so I'm going to be on that for eight weeks. And uh, so through about the middle of November, unfortunately, uh, we're going to be out a couple of weekends. I will be back uh, for the last weekend uh, this month and, and be here for seed offering. And I will remember that I'm here this time uh, <laughs> at seed offering. So Anyhow, there have been challenges, but as those songs we just got through singing and worshiping God, man, I'm giving praise because I've seen God in all that he does. I've seen him in his healing, seen him in his goodness, seen him in his mercy, seen him in your lives, seen him in relationships. Our God is a good God. Can you say amen to that? I want to share with you this morning out of kind of uh, life, and uh, let me pray and then I'll share the the title. Father, I thank you uh, for your overwhelming goodness in our lives. I'm thankful for this family of believers. I'm thankful, Father, for both natural family, but really grateful for spiritual family, Lord, that uh, walks in life uh, with us, each one of us, uh, doing our part, being our part, being who and what you created us to be, Father, so that in all the lives that we relate to and connect with, Father, that we will be built up, strengthened, edified by being together. We'll build up some folks, and some folks will build us up, Lord, and we are grateful for the goodness of God that we see uh, through the covenant of relationships in the body of Christ. So we give you thanks and praise for that. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. amen. So uh, Exodus chapter 3, uh, verse 14, God said to Moses, uh, you know this story, very familiar. Um, God has called Moses uh, out of the wilderness and uh, he's shown him his glory through the burning uh, bush that did not, uh, was not consumed. And he gives uh, uh, Moses a mandate, a calling, uh, as it were, uh, that he's going to go back uh, to Egypt and he's going to lead God's people uh, out of bondage. And, and uh, Moses goes through this conversation with Father God, and he begins by telling him all the things he's not qualified in to be able to do that. How many of you have ever done that? God's called you to do something, and you start telling God why you can't do it, right? Miss Erica Heisey, principal, head, head of school, yeah, she told me for years, I'll never do that. Look at her, she's doing it, and she's doing it good. Many of you have had God speak something in your heart, and you just go, that, that's impossible. God, God, you have not looked at me lately. You, you don't see what I see in the mirror, and God says, you're right. I don't see what you see. I see what I see. And my grace is sufficient. If I've called you, I've anointed you. If I've anointed you, I've gifted you. If I've gifted you, then there's coming a time when you will walk in that gifting. Amen. That's good preaching right there. And so Moses goes through this conversation, argument, as it were, with God saying, I can't do that. I can't speak. I've been in the wilderness so long. I've been out here with the sheep and the lamb and, and, and the animals, and uh, I've developed a, st a stuttering problem. And 
God says, that's okay, I've raised up your brother. He's going with you, he's going to be your voice. After all the argument is done, the conversation's over, Moses asked God, he says, who do I say to the people of Israel that I've been listening to out in the desert? Because they're going to think my brain is fried. Here I come back 40 years after being gone. Nobody remembers me there. Who do I say has sent me? And you know the answer, right? God said, tell them, I am who I am. I like that name. So many people want to run around calling God by one of his first names. But I like this one. Because <laughs> I am is pretty powerful. That's all-consuming. Everything that's lacking, I am. Everything you have need of, I am. Everything, every battle you've been going through, I am. I am what? I'm the answer. I'm the solution. I'm what you're looking for. We go through things in our life, battles that we're facing, and we have to come to grip with the belief that the Lord has brought me into this place. Amen. Not an accident. The Lord has brought me here. Say, well, Pastor, you, you're walking through a battle with cancer. The Lord has brought me here. And the Lord will see me through. Amen? Amen? You don't stop at the first sentence. You got to go all the way through. You got to make a declaration of what the Lord is. Many of you are going through all kinds of different battles sitting in this room. You're looking at me. You got your Sunday good clothes on. You got your deodorant on. You smell good. Somebody hugs you and says, whoo, you smell good. And, and, and you do. But you're going through a battle. You got a smile on your face. You're hugging everybody. But you're going through a battle. And when the lights go out, you get in your car, or you get in the bed at night, you're by yourself, you have to remind yourself, yeah. who do you belong to? Yeah. Who, who do I belong to? Some people say, oh, I'm a gator. <laughs> I'm a knoll, criminal. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Marianne. I, that came out of my heart. That just came right out of my heart. <laughs> Friday, Suzanne and I, I left the clinic Friday and ran back to the house where we're staying. And, and uh, we loaded up the truck in like 10 minutes and jumped in. The, some bad weather was coming. We knew it was Friday afternoon, have to drive through Tampa. So we jump in the truck and we take off heading home. And uh, we decided to uh, stop at the Colombian restaurant uh, in North Tampa to get something to eat. And uh, that was a mistake because it was about four and a half hour ordeal. But uh, we got off the interstate, traffic was bumper to bumper, got to the restaurant, went, and there were nothing but Alabama fans. <laughs> I lost my appetite. <laughs> but I was still savoring that they lost last week or whenever it was. When was it? Last week? Oh, that was so good. I, mean, I didn't even watch any. It was just so good to know they lost. <laughs> and I'm such a diehard Gator fan. After uh, Tennessee went up 7-0 last night, I turned the radio off. 
I'm like, I'm done. I, I got to preach the great I am tomorrow. I don't need to be all pre- de- depressed and, you know, wait till, you know, wait till next year again. And, and then my son st- started texting on the family cred. Can you believe this? I'm like, can believe what? The great I am. Yeah, I believe. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, can you believe, man, Florida's winning big. I was like, I text, what? <laughs> Stop messing with me. No, they're winning big. So uh, I grabbed my phone and said, what's the score of the Gator-Tennessee uh, game? 26 to 7 halftime. I was like, what? I got to turn TV on. <laughs> I feel good now. But we're going through battles, way worse than a sports team right? Some of you are going through health issues. Some of you are going through financial issues, job issues, relationship issues, marriage issues. Some of you are struggling with bouts of depression, loneliness, spirits of suicide try to come in, not just to the world out there, but into the body of Christ. And we have to fight the good fight of faith. Not to be discouraged. Not to throw in the towel. But literally to remind ourselves to go back, uh, as it were, all the way into the old covenant and remember that God said, I am has sent me to you. That's what it says. In that scripture I just read, Exodus 3 verse 14. I am has sent me to you. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now making intercession for every single one of us at the same time. It's amazing. Jesus is amazing. And he's making intercession for us. He knows what you're going through. Sometimes we feel like, man, nobody knows. Nobody cares. He cares. Always. In the midst of the battle, this new clinic I'm going to down in Clearwater, there's a lot of sick people in this clinic. Um, And a lot of people that are in this particular clinic I'm going to are being treated uh, for Lyme disease. Lyme disease. You know how you get Lyme disease, right? You get a tick. And uh, you got to get those ticks off of you. You got to get those heads out of it. But about 70 to 80% of the people that I'm in treatment with sitting beside don't have cancer don't have heart failure, but their bodies are wrecked with pain. Met a little 12-year-old boy, about this big. Bear is his name. He's from Oklahoma. Lives out in the country on a farm. For two years, he's been battling. Walks real stiff like this. Little 12-year-old boy. 17-year-old young man, missed his junior year of high school last year. Now he's Missing his senior year of high school, six foot seven. And he, he can't even bend his arms. He's in so much pain. And I'm thinking, 2023, we're still dealing with ticks? You'd think there would be something, huh? You'd think CDC would come up with some kind of vaccination. But it's, it's unbelievable. Old people, young people was in one treatment next to a, a man. There was a curtain in between us. We were both in this uh, particular treatment for 30 minutes. And, and uh, 
I didn't know who he was. I didn't see him when he came in. The curtain, my curtain was closed. I was already uh, involved in my treatment. And uh, so I spoke to him, and, and he spoke back. We got into a conversation. The nurse comes in. She said, you know, this is a quiet zone. <laughs> well, close the door because we're talking. <laughs> and sweet man, and uh, his name was Randy, and, and uh, 62 years old, just retired from his business, had a great life, had a great business, uh, wife and children, and, and uh, five grandbabies, two babies that uh, are about to be born. And so we're in this conversation, and, and I said, Randy, if you don't mind, what, what are you battling? What are you dealing with? And he said, uh, Last year, I retired a month later, joined my, my golf club and started playing in the men's group once a week and hit a ball out in the woods, went to grab my ball, got a tick. Two weeks later, end up in a horrible rash, uh, fever, unbelievable pain throughout my body. And he said, it's been now over a year, year and a half uh, that I've been battling this. And the next day I was over at another clinic and I was sitting in the lobby and this guy comes in and he signs in and he says something. I said, hey, are you Randy? And he turns, he's like, oh, are you George? I said, yeah. So we met and greeted and, and uh, I put him on my prayer list. My prayer list has just grown because of all these new friends that are going through incredible battles. Connect groups, that's what our connect groups are all about, that we don't walk alone. We got to have some folks standing with us, standing beside us. And as I'll read to you in a few moments, uh, when Moses sent Joshua into battle uh, with the uh, Amalekites, uh, he said to him, I'm going to go up on the hill and watch over you while you do battle because the, the Lord our God is with you. So Joshua leads the children of Israel into battle, but he's not alone. He keeps looking up at the hill and sees Moses and Aaron and her. And, and Moses is like this with his hands outstretched. And while his hands were outstretched, Joshua and the children of Israel begin to go into battle and they begin to win. Moses gets tired and his hands drop and all of a sudden the Malachites turn and start going after the Israelites. Aaron and her bring a stone. They sit Moses on it. And, and he sticks up his arms and one of them on one side, come on somebody, we need each other. One on one side, hers on the right side, Aaron's on the left, and they're holding up Moses' arms. Why? Because the word of the Lord was as long as his arms were raised, the children of Israel would prevail. Come on. Some of you are not prevailing because you don't have anybody holding up your arms. You're trying to walk alone. You're trying to do battle by yourself. You can't win. You can't win without the people that God has knitted and joined and grafted you to. Man, that's good preaching. I could stop right now and just have intermission go home. We need, we need one another. Every pastor on my team needs. We as pastors don't have some special anointing in our Christianity and sainthood that you don't. We need you as much as you need us, as much as you need each other. We need to be connected. Man, there, 
You know, I'll, I'll never forget when Jedediah Thurner was here the very first time uh, with us at The Rock. He's one of the senior leaders of Mission Stop Me, a great organization that's doing missions work um, all over the world and now all over America. And Jedediah was here. He was uh, getting ready. Our team was getting ready to leave to go uh, overseas. And uh, he came and preached a strong word. And in the middle of it, he gave a prophetic word. And he says, the deception of isolation is when you walk isolated from relationships and friendships that God ordained for you to have, you set yourself up for defeat. You can't walk it alone. You need each other. We need one another. We need our families, our natural families, and our spiritual families. The Lord has brought us to this place, and the Lord will see us through. And sometimes when we're in the middle of the battle in life, we have to pause. I mean, we literally have to just go into neutral for a moment and stir ourselves to remember the God we serve. Good God. Faithful God. He's not just good on Sunday morning when we're together and we lift up our hands and worship. He's good when you're out there in the middle of the battle by yourself, but you're not by yourself because you're surrounded. You look to your right, your left, you look up on the hill, and someone's holding you up. Woo! Telling you that will bring life, victory. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to come and divide you, separate you. That's why uh, Satan is the master of divorce. He's the master of deception. He's the master of getting you to feel sorry for yourself. He's the master of bringing deceit into your life and, and trying to convince you that you don't need the body of Christ any longer or we're not spiritual enough for you or we're not this or that. And all of a sudden you find yourself moving to the back and then finally out the door and you're out there all alone by yourself. And you are just been set up for defeat. The devil's going to kick your aspirin bottle. He's going to whip you. He's going to whoop you. He is. And, and we see it all the time. And you go, what are you doing? You might not like me right now, but you desperately need me. You need our relationship. You need somebody that'll speak truth into your life. You don't need a bunch of yes people around you. Yes, my friend. Yes, my, oh, yeah, friend. That's good. Oh, yeah, do that, friend. No, you need somebody that'll just confront you in your face and go, no, that's not what's best. I can't make you do anything. It's your decision. But this decision, you're stupid. Sometimes people just need to be told they're a little bit stupid. Because this decision you're making, it's not going to bring life. Wherever, wherever, wherever the word of the Lord is for you, hear me, peace will settle your heart. Peace, you'll know peace. When peace leaves... And man, all of a sudden, you're frustrated, and you're, you're agitated, and you're aggravated, and you're angry, and you're mad, and you're all these things. You need to back up and go, whoo, where did I turn wrong? Because wherever God is, there's peace. Big decisions, little tiny, teeny weeny decisions. 
You put God first. Peace. Peace will flood your soul. Suzanne and I had some decisions to make about a month ago concerning this uh, decision to uh, go on this next treatment. At first, Suzanne was a little overwhelmed. She's like, honey, are we starting all over again? I said, no, no. This, this, is, this is short. This is targeted. This is to get me over the hump from that 0.01 to that zero. But you say, well, can't God do that? Absolutely. Matter of fact, every bit of healing in my body is because of God. God uses medicine. God uses doctors. God uses nutrition. God uses supplements. God uses friends. God uses wisdom. And so we made a decision. We prayed. And the, the, the only thing I asked the Lord was, Lord, if this is of you, I want peace. Because one, it's very costly. Two, they can't take Medicare. They can't take insurance. They can't take anything. And don't even get me started on the reasons why. The political reasons why Big Pharma is destroying our nation. Because it's all about the money. It's all about the money. And, and this, this treatment that I'm going on, the, the one bill I had to pay, it was like, woo! And then all of a sudden, I remembered my one pill that I was taking 21 days a month off for seven, every 21 days I was getting a bill for $22,000. So this whole treatment was $21,000. And you, so I had to put it into perspective, what I'm willing to do, what I'm willing to pay. And this I've come to absolutely be convinced of. You have the wealthiest people in the world. They'll give every dime that they have for health. Because without your health, you, you just, I know because I've been there, you just exist. Your day is just, I got to get through today. There's, there's got to be a grace for today. Because, man, I can't, I can't live the rest of my life like this. Can't endure this kind of pain. And so I've set myself in agreement with so many of these new people that I've met. Some people of faith, some people are not of faith. Matter of fact, the day that I went in to meet with the doctor and he was sitting across from me, he's got the computer open, he's reading through my charts, he's looking at the computer, he's looking at me, he's looking at the chart, he's looking at me, and he finally stops, he looks me right in the eye, he says, you know, I don't know if you use this word, but, but I'm sitting here looking at a miracle. And I started laughing. <laughs> I said, well, I believe in miracles. I, I, I said, I believe that the only reason I'm sitting here in front of you is because of the goodness of God and the prayers of the righteous. I said, thousands of people praying, coming into agreement, the power of agreement. I look up, and there are people holding up my arms. I look up and see the goodness of God. You look up with what you're going through, and you want to be able with confidence to go, I am not walking this alone. I'm not walking. I might have to go in that bank by myself, but I ain't alone. I might have to go in that doctor's office by myself, but I'm not alone. I might have to go work this thing out with my wife, but we're not alone. His grace is, he is, I am. All sufficient one. Everything that you have need of, he is. 
One of the things I've asked the Lord as I, we're staying over in St. Pete, so I have a 22-mile drive every morning, have to be there right during rush hour, so it's a 45, 50-minute drive, and as I'm driving over there, I'm worshiping and I'm praying, saying, Lord, give me a target today. Who can I encourage today? Who can I love on today? Who can I minister today? It's, see, it's not about me, oh, I got this issue in my body, and I need somebody to help me. No, no. You start forgetting about your issue, and you start saying, what is somebody else's issue that I can deal with? Who else can I help? Who can I love on? Who can I serve? Who can I reach out to? Who can I administer friendship to? Who can I buy a bottle of water for? Who can I get up and open a door for? Who can I get up and make a cup of coffee for? Who can I touch in the middle of your problem who else can you touch your life gets radically revived when you can get past it's about me and, and I, I just want to publicly thank God for my incredible wife um, for the help me that she is because I have not walked this along. She has been with me, and there are times when she would rather not be with me. <laughs> and she's driving me, and, and she's picking me up, and she's dropping me off, and, and she's having to endure my hours of prep every morning and supplements and my nutrition and everything I'm going through. Honey, can you sit down and have a cup of coffee with me? No, I can't have coffee for another hour and a half. I got this, this one I got to take, and then I have to wait 30 minutes, and I have to take these supplements, and, and then after another 30 minutes, then I got to have my first cup of coffee. You know what? When you got 40 ounces of fluid in your belly, coffee just don't taste the same. Man, I have saved a bundle from the mission and Starbucks <laughs> over the last month because I just go, I, I'd love a cup of coffee, but I can't have any cream, I can't have any sugar, you can't doctor it up any, so it's just pure black. And I just think, well, I'll just drink some more water. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going through a battle and you remind yourself, as Joshua did, and listen to this, the last verse of verse 15, I'm not going to read this because I just told you the story, but verse 14, uh, Moses, in chapter 17 of Exodus, Moses, uh, the Lord says to Moses, write what just happened, a witness, okay? Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly block out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and he called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. Say banner. Yeah. See, that's not a word we use a lot in our society today, uh, a banner or a flag. But uh, flags and banners mean something meant something, still means something. And so I started asking myself, what flag or banner do I live under, that, that I fight under, that I do my life under? A banner, something that's making a declaration, a flag that represents. I don't know about you, but I love the American flag, and I love when... When that song is sung, I don't care who's singing it. America the beautiful. 
Man, I can stand up and pop a salute, put my hand on my chest in a heartbeat. I am thankful to God for America. I don't know how you got here, but you ought to be thankful that you are here. I don't care if you're African, European, Russian, Asian, Cuban, Latin American. If you're here in this country, first of all, if you don't want to be here, get your out of here. That's all I got to say about the subject. Because <laughs> down at the border, they're, they're trying to get in here by the thousands. Why? What is it that we have that they want so desperately? The flag. The banner in which we live under. But there's a greater banner, a greater flag than the American flag. For the Lord is the banner that goes before us. In the days of battle, soldiers held up their flags, and these flags, there would be somebody riding on a horse, and they'd have the little uh, cup, and the flagpole would be in the, in the holder, and they'd hold the flag. Hundreds of years ago, they go into battle. There would always be those that all they were positioned and commissioned to do was to hold the flag and to hold it high so all the soldiers over the hill could see the flag. I was playing golf yesterday afternoon with uh, my son Luke and my grandsons Wyatt and Jordan. And we were on one of the fairways and Wyatt asked, uh, where the flag was. I said, it's right there. He said, Bob, I don't see anything. I said, it's, it's, it's right there. And then I looked up. I was in the car, and I looked up, and, and I realized we were on a hill. I knew where the flag was, but, but Wyatt's new to the game, and he's new to the course, so he didn't know where the flag was. So I said, Wyatt, you see that big oak tree up there? Yeah, I see that one, Bob. You see that one over there? Yeah, I see that one. You want to aim dead in the middle. Why do I want to do that? Because that's where the flag is. So he said, are you sure? <laughs> okay, so I drive the cart up on the hill. Whoop, boom. What do you see, Wyatt? Right between those two trees. I see the flag, Baba. That's where you want to aim. See, you want to hold that flag high so those around you that need to be encouraged. Ooh, that's so good. I pray that tonight, right before you go to sleep, you're going to wake up. Dude, I got it. I know what Pastor is talking about. You have friends that are flagged to you. You have people in relationship with you that when they call, man, that, whoo, that flag just went up. You're like, oh, yeah, I needed to hear from you, baby. Sweetheart, I needed that today. Thanks, my man. Thanks for calling me. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks for a short text. You know, a few weeks ago, we celebrated our 36th anniversary here, and one of the things I encouraged you to do before the sunset that day was to just look around the room and find somebody that Holy Spirit would speak to you and just send them a text, a phone call, write a card out, and say, hey, just looked across the congregation today, saw you, blessed you, prayed over you, just want you to know I love you, man, I'm for you. Now, I don't know how many of y'all did that. I ain't asking, because I, I don't want you lying in church. But I did it to quite a few. Because when I stop and think, where would I be? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Really, where, where would I be with that 
without Tad Miller. I mean, he's been a son, he's been a friend, he's been a peer, he's been a brother. In the areas he leads this house, he leads well. Amen? Where would I be without my Seminole fan, Miss Marianne? I mean, every time I get to come here during the day, I see Miss Marianne's car, I just prepare myself because a hug's coming. It don't matter if I'm in a meeting. There are just some things more important than a meeting. If pastor's going to sit out in the lobby with somebody, it's not my fault. I'm going to interrupt him and hug him. <laughs> you need those kind of friends. You need people in your life that even right now when you think about them, you smile. You can't help but smile. I could just go down the list looking up and down these aisles and start calling you guys out and going, man, where would I be without you? Where would you be without those relationships that God wants in your life grafted together, connected, committed? Four years ago, just a, two days after being diagnosed and told without treatment that I might have three months to live, and with treatment, they hoped that I would live a year. I got on a plane with eight people out of this church, Suzanne and I and eight others. And on the bus to the airport in Orlando, I told them my diagnosis. None of y'all knew it yet. And I told them, we're going to Cuba, but this thing's not going to be about me. We're, you know, I want you to know because I'm weak, my back is really hurting, I'm in a lot of pain, but Oscar and I are going to preach and teach for about 16 hours. I need you to make intercession over me. And so we had our first good cry on the bus, and then the next day we got on the plane and got picked up by our friends in Cuba, and I shared with Otanil and Abdiel what I was going through, and then the bus driver put on some worship music. Hallelujah. What's that song we sing? Raise a hallelujah. All those other songs I can't think of right now, they're right there. Waymaker, oh my gosh. And every time we'd get on the bus, the bus driver would turn the music up. And then he'd jack it up. Because we'd say, turn it up. And then we'd start worshiping. Then we'd start crying. <laughs> and then they'd pray over me. I couldn't have made it on that trip without my wife and these eight incredible people out of our house. And a couple of weeks ago, we had the 10 of us got together and had dinner, talked about our next trip to Cuba, talked about the goodness of God. It wasn't just a diagnosis that without treatment, you might live three months with treatment. We're hoping for a year. Come on, somebody. That was three and a half years ago. So God's not limited to what your doctor says, your banker says, your marriage counselor says. God's not limited. 
He's only limited by our lack of faith. Somebody needs to say amen to yourself. Say amen, self. Because he is a good, good God. So we hold up our banner. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, you can turn there if you'd like or just look up at the scripture. I have one minute to finish a 20-minute message. I'll just give you a couple of verses out of here because it's so powerful. Verse 32, 2 Samuel chapter 22, the psalmist wrote, For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? What was he doing? He was writing, it's called the Song of Praise, but David was writing a song to himself. I don't know that David realized that thousands of years later we would be being encouraged by his word that he wrote, his song, his psalm that he wrote to himself. He was speaking to himself. And I want to encourage you today, you got to learn to speak to yourself. Not woe is me, oh my God, how could things get any worse? I flipped on something on the internet the other day and it basically said, if you don't read this, you're going to be among the 90% of Americans that are going to die from starvation because the world's about to go into a blackout for 365 days. I said, thank you very much, delete. I mean, if that happens, guess what? We're going to be with Jesus. Don't believe it's going to that way. But the good news for believers is, one, you don't have to listen to that garbage. You don't have to read that stuff. Shut it down, turn it off, go back to the Word of God. What's the Word of God have to say? We win. Victory belongs to the people of God. This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and He set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Man, look at your hands. Made for war. What kind of war? The war of praise. Man, we sing that song. It's powerful. Can't remember a lick of the words right now, but it's powerful. Praise is my victory. Lift up my hands. Lift up my voice with a shout. I proclaim the goodness of my God. Read the rest of that chapter when you get home because I, I, I have one other thing I've got to share because that, that's just verse 51. No, let me just read verse 51. Great salvation belongs to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring. Hear me. Forever. Guess who are the offspring of David? We are the children of Israel. We're the offspring. And he's made us for war and he's made us for victory. Our God, our Father, he is our strength and our power. And as we go through life, as you go through life, and the many battles that you face, the issues that you deal with, constantly go back to the Word of God. Remind yourself how good and awesome and great your God is. And that you have been trained for warfare and you've been trained for victory. You haven't just been trained to fight, you've been trained to win. 
Psalm 16, verse 8 says this, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How often with your right hand do you move your right hand around, man? You are made for pleasures forevermore. The victory of the Lord, the battle you're facing, is yours to win. So, our God is for us. And by his Holy Spirit, we are ready and prepared to do battle. A lady asked me at the clinic last week. I'd seen her in several different parts of the clinic over the last three weeks. And the lobby had emptied out. I was sitting there. She was sitting there. And she said, can I ask you a question? I do not go by Pastor George down there. Nobody knows I'm a pastor. I'm just George just like anybody else there that's being treated. But she said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. She said, I heard through one of the other patients that you're battling an incurable cancer. I said, oh yeah, but just to make sure you understand where I'm coming from, the doctors say it's incurable, but God says it's not incurable. And God's word, she said, well, that answers half of my question. She said, I just want to know, how come if you're going through all this, you always have a smile on your face. You're always ready to talk to someone, and I constantly hear you encouraging someone else. I said, do you know my God? <laughs> do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? She said, no, I'm such and such. I don't really know if I believe all that. I said, what are you fighting? She told me. What are you believing for? You spend a lot of money to be here. What are you believing for? Well, I hope, I, I, you know, I, I want to feel better. I said, wow, you spend a lot of money for a little bit of hope. Because without Jesus, <laughs> there's no hope. And, and I said, you know, worst case scenario, you don't make it. What's happening at death? Oh, I don't, I don't ever want to think about that. I said, please, think about it. Because if this is all there is, it's a cruel joke. Right? I mean, if this is all there is. The other day, I was at the clinic when I heard the word about Morocco having this horrible earthquake. And my first thought went to Kenza, who's sitting on the front row. Her parents are missionaries in Morocco. I immediately text Scotty and maybe Daniel, don't remember, but I text one of them and I said, any word on Kenza's parents? And the answer came back, they're safe, they're good, they're in a different part of the country. Well, you're thankful for that, but man, your heart grieves for thousands of people that not only have died, but the families of those who've lost their life. Man, without hope in Jesus, their grief is unbearable. Hear me, church, this morning as I close. We got to remember that the Lord is our banner. 
And it's his flag that's being held up. And he loves us. And he's for us. He thinks good thoughts. He has a hope and a future. No matter what we're going through, no matter what our battle is, God sees good things. And I believe that as we retrain our minds, we bring every thought captive. We take control of what's going in. Because if crap goes in, crap comes out. Excuse the language, but it's just what it is. You feed your soul, your spirit, the Word of God. You feed your soul, your spirit, worship and prayer and good friends and good relationships and people that are encouraging you. Then when you're squeezed, what's going to come out of you is hope and faith and belief. I'm going to get through this. We're going to get through. Amen? And we're going to walk in victory because his banner over us is love. This morning, if there's anyone sitting in this room or watching on the screen that does not know the God I am, you do not have a personal relationship with the great I am through his son, Jesus Christ, by the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. You can pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us and invite Jesus, the Son of God, to come into your life. The simplest little prayer that's the most powerful thing you will ever say in your entire life. Jesus, I surrender to you. Outside of you, I have no hope. But in Christ, hope is alive. So I invite you, the whole congregation is going to pray with me. And if you don't know him, pray this prayer with us now. You can bow your head if you'd like. You can close your eyes or leave them open. Pray this prayer with me out loud. Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit that is drawing me right now, I come to you and I surrender my life, my all. I need you, Father. I need salvation. So I confess my sin, I acknowledge it, and I denounce it as a part of my past because I'm inviting you, Jesus, to be a part of my now and my future. Jesus, come into my heart. I open up my life, my heart, my soul, my spirit. I surrender to you. And I choose you, Father, the rest of the days of my life on this earth. And I thank you, Father, that you first loved me and you sent Jesus for me. So I receive him in faith in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.